It's a real joy for me to come and to have the opportunity of sharing again the word of the Lord with you here at the Lifeboat Fellowship. It's always a joy and a delight to come to this place and to renew fellowship with your pastor, Brother Bertie, and also with yourselves. Looking down this morning, I can only see three. I don't know where or who is in the cars, but nevertheless, as Roy has said, it's grand to see you out at the gathering today, and as he has welcomed you, we would repeat that. It's lovely that you have come along and made your way to the service this morning. This virus, as they call it, is something that has made a devastating effect, I suppose, in many ways upon most of our lives, and has altered and changed an awful lot of things. However, all of that is in the Lord's hands, and we have got to leave it there. This is the first time that I've addressed a congregation on a Lord's Day morning for the last almost five months. When I coming to the meeting this morning, one of my daughters rang me, and she said, how do you feel? I said, I'm shaking like a leaf, like somebody who had never spoken before so long since I'd been on the pulpit. Everything I had arranged to do had to be cancelled and so on uh, because of this problem. However, as I've said already, the Lord knows and the Lord understands and he will undertake. So I'm delighted to be here today and it's lovely just that you're out there in the meeting this morning and of course we trust the Lord will abundantly bless you. Now if you have a Bible handy there would you turn to a very familiar passage of the Lord's word today and that passage is the 23rd Psalm. I'm not going to read the whole of the Psalm this morning to you because I'm perfectly sure that every one of us in the gathering today could quote this psalm off by heart. Looking back to Sunday school days, as we can all do, uh, I remember this was one of the first passages of the word of the Lord that I learned, this remarkable psalm. And of course, its situation in our Bible and also in the Hebrew hymn book, the book of Psalms, is very unique, very remarkable, and very, very special. Because when you come to the 22nd Psalm, there you have the Psalm of the Cross. It begins with those words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? You know, of course, that that's one of the remarkable statements that was uttered by our Lord Jesus Christ when he was nailed to the cross. When you come to Psalm number 24, you have the Psalm of the crown. You have our Lord Jesus coming back to reign. Possibly all of these things that are happening in our world today is setting stage or setting the scene, if you like, 
for that day when he will keep his promise. If I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. What a delightful day it will be for the believer when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. The morning will break eternal, bright and fair, and the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore. I trust we'll all be able to say, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. 24th Psalm begins with the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein, and so on. All of that will literally come to pass when our Lord Jesus returns to reign. But right in between the psalm of the sufferer and the psalm of the sovereign, you have the psalm of the shepherd. This great shepherd psalm, which has been a jewel and a gem to God's people down through the years. A very, very important part of the Hebrew hymn book. Now, I want to read just verse number one of the psalm, and then I want to talk to you about the psalm for a, about the verse for a time. I've been looking down this psalm again, and it's one of these portions of scripture, no matter how often you come to it, you always find something new. And of course, If you're a believer of the Lord Jesus, you'll know that the psalm is very refreshing. There is no occasion that I can think of that I haven't used this psalm for. I've used it at the wedding. I've used it at the funeral. I've used it in the gospel meeting. I've used it in services of this kind when you talk in the mean to those who are journeying heavenward and home. But this morning... I want to bring the first verse of the psalm to you again. Now please listen to what the psalmist David had to say. This is a very, very remarkable verse. The Lord, now listen, is, come to that in a minute, my shepherd. Notice he doesn't use the word our shepherd or their shepherd. David is being Very, very remarkably personal. He saith, the Lord is my shepherd. And as a result of that, he saith, I shall not want. Now, I'm going to read it again. And then I'll try my best to give you some things from this text today. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Right at the very beginning of this verse this morning, friends, very clearly you can see what I want to call the powerfulness because he's talking about the Lord. You and I who know this Lord in a personal way today, we know that there's none greater than he. There are no rivals that he knows. There are no enemies that will ever be able to defeat him. He is the Lord over all. And of course, as such, he is blessed 
forever. But you know, when you come to examine the powerfulness of God, the powerfulness of the Lord, that particular angle of his person is revealed to us from one end of our Bible right through to the other. You find it in Genesis. You find it way over in the book of the Revelation as the Lord comes to grips with this world and sorts it out finally forever and for all. He is, of course, abundantly able so to do. But I'm not going to take you forward thinking about his powerfulness just now. I want to take you backward. And I want to bring you to the very first verse of the Bible. Because Genesis 1 and 1 is a very, very remarkable verse indeed. It tells us this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, please remember that Moses and David are talking about exactly the same person. But when you begin to examine that remarkable verse, you find yourself, my friends, in very, very remarkable waters. There's truly waters to swim in. Because the great Moses tells us this, that in the beginning, now of course, that's what we call from time to time an unknown date. That takes you right away back to the commencement of all things as we know them today. And of course, no one knows exactly when that date was. It was simply in the beginning. It's a non-known date. I don't want to spend time elaborating on that today, but I like very much in one of his great books how the very remarkable Dr. Harry Aronside uses that phrase. He couches it in a different way. He puts it like this. It's before everything that ever had a beginning began. You see, there was a time when there was no sun as we know it today. There was a time when there was no moon as we know it also today. There was a time when there were no stars as we know them today. There was a time when there was no earth or world as we know it today. But my friends, there never, never was a time when God was not there. You see, to your mind and mine today, that becomes extremely difficult to understand. Nevertheless, the fact is there. In the beginning, it was an unknown date. But he brings us to one questionable deity because he tells us in the beginning, God. My, again, let me emphasize, he's talking about the very same person as David. And away back then, in the beginning, God was there, the Lord was there, the triune God were there, the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the beginning, God. My friends, if you're at this service today and you know the Savior, 
Please, please underline in your mind and in your thinking the greatness of the statement I have just made to you. That the one that is your Lord and the one that this psalm refers to as your shepherd who does so much for you and has done so much for you. He saved your soul. He forgave your sin. He brought you into his family. He journeys with you day in and day out. And one day he's going to bring you eventually to heaven. To the excellent glory itself. I was reading those words this morning. I hath not seen nor ear heard. Neither hath entered into the heart of man. The things that God hath prepared for them that love him. You know my dear brother and sister in Christ today. What a favored and fortunate person we are. We are not paupers by any means. We are the sons and the daughters of the living God. And we are journeying day in and day out to an amazing destiny. A place that God hath prepared for them that love him. But my friend, if you're with us this morning in this gathering, and up to this moment, you do not know the Savior. Now, we're very glad you're here. We thank you very much for coming. We're delighted that you've made it. We trust you'll value and appreciate the gathering and return. But I want to remind you that this God, this Lord, someday you must meet him. Now, you can meet him this morning at this gathering. You can meet him in Christ. You can come to him just where you are. The Lord Jesus said, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Can you see that mighty invitation? Come, 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 but come now. There's no need to wait until later on. There's no need to wait until this afternoon or tonight. There's no need to wait until tomorrow. There's no need to wait to another Lord's day. You can come now. For now is the accepted time, and behold, now is the day of salvation. In the beginning, God, God, prepare to meet thy God, was the message that Amos the prophet brought to the nation of Israel so many years ago. But let me hasten on. In the beginning, God created. Now here you can see the powerfulness of God and the powerfulness of the Lord coming out. Because way back in that unknown date, there was unquestionable deity. There was also unlimited power. God created. You see, men can construct today. I was down at another event yesterday, way down the Ars Peninsula where I come from. And I was looking around me as I traveled and I saw where there had been an awful lot of construction going on, which, of course, has been brought to a very serious halt at the moment. Nevertheless, man's ability to construct is remarkable. You look at this beautiful building that you have here today. Man can take bricks and mortar and all the rest of it 
and he can build something like this. He can also take iron and he can take other things needed and he can construct a jumbo jet. I heard on the news this morning about this uh, particular uh, satellite or something where people from America are paying now to go out to outer space. I was thinking about that, saying to myself, well, now I'll not bother with that because someday we'll be going out there for nothing anyway because we're going to rise to meet the Lord in the air. All of that is construction. To construct means to take something and make something. But creation is different. Creation means to take nothing and make everything. You see, friends, into his almighty, all-powerful hand, God took nothing, and he made the sun I mentioned already, and the moon, and the stars, and the earth, and the sea, and all that in them is. Let me read you that 24th Psalm, verse 1 again. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. Listen. For he hath founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the floods. My, when you look around you at the world that we're living in, it is remarkably preserved. And of course, the one who has set the whole of creation in orbit, put it there, has said, stay there, and it certainly will do, because God is the creator on limited power. Maybe again, someone could be saying in the meeting today, can this God of yours do anything for me? The answer, my friend, is yes. I remember very well preaching in a meeting one night, quite some distance from here at a gospel campaign. As I walked down towards the door, I remember a man stepping right into the aisle in front of me, putting out his hands like this. And he said, can your Jesus do anything for me? I said, sir, have you ever tried him? He said, no. I said, will you try him now? He said, I will. We went into a little room together. What a joy it was to lead the dear man to the Savior. My friend, the Lord is here and he can do for you whatever you need. The hymn writer wrote, very thankfully he wrote, for souls redeemed and sins forgiven, and means of grace, and hopes of heaven. Father, to thee be glory given, who givest all. But my friend, if he's not your savior today, then he can be. If he's not your shepherd, he can be. But he can't be your shepherd until he becomes your savior, first of all. But if you know him today, then please remember that the one who is the great sovereign creator of the universe in which we live, the God of Genesis 1 and 1, is your shepherd today. That verse finishes with what we might call unfathomable expanse. It talks about the heaven and it talks about the earth and that God created them all. Isn't that remarkable? That very same God in the person of Christ said when uh, he was here in this world, 
again to his believing people, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now I could go on, I jotted down some other verses on this idea. Isaiah 57, 15, He is the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose very name is holy. That very same one is the Lord that is my shepherd. One other one, and then I'll leave this. Genesis 17 and 1. A challenge that came to Abram before he became Abraham. God said, I am, listen, the almighty God. And then he added, walk before me and be thou perfect. But again, the almighty God is my great shepherd today. So, It matters not what your situation may be at this gathering today. And of course, you can never ever guarantee a congregation. I don't know what your need may be spiritually. I don't know what your need might even be physically. There might be needs there. But God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can even ask or think. So... If you know the Savior today, fasten your eye on the shepherd just now. Fasten your eye on the Lord and keep it there. See his powerfulness. I love the chorus that we sing with boys and girls. At the event I was at yesterday, there was boys there who were singing and they sang this chorus, reminded me of it so vividly again. Our God is so big, so strong and so mighty There is nothing our God cannot do. The Lord, there you have his powerfulness. Now let me move on to what I want to call the psalmist's positiveness. Because there's one word here. When I was at school, which is quite a uh, way back now, uh, maybe for all the good it done me, I do not know. I never was overly keen on it, but nevertheless... Like the rest of you, I simply had to go. But they used to teach me that little words had big meanings. For example, the word and, the word but, and so on. They have all vast meanings. What remarkable words they are. I remember hearing a dear brother say one time about the word but in our Bible, that every time you find man behind it, it's bad. And every time you find God behind it, it's good in the Bible. And I remember doing a bit of research into that, and I discovered he was absolutely right. One of the most striking ones that came before my mind was Naaman the leper, who was a great man with his master, and a whole catalog of good things are said about that man. But then the word but comes in. But he was a leper. Of course, you can see man coming behind the word, and of course, it's bad. However, this particular little word is remarkable. The Lord is, is, is. Now, I want you to grasp that as a believer today. Just, I want you to think about that. I've said already 
I don't know your situation or your circumstances today. It may be you're going through different kinds of valleys today. The Lord knows all about that. I had a lady rang me on the telephone away from Wales just the other day, going through bitter circumstances, very serious times of trouble. And she said to me, if I didn't have the Lord, I don't know what I'd do. Well, my friend, she has the Lord, and so have you. And as a believer, listen to the positiveness of this. The Lord is, is, is. You can see that above all and everything that confronts you or may surround you today and all the difficulties that are there, it will never alter the fact that God is. It's not saying that he was or he will be. It's all in the present tense for you to believe and enjoy as a child of God. It's absolutely positiveness. Powerfulness followed by positiveness. The Lord is, is, is. Oh, that I could get that over into every single one of our hearts today. I do a bit of book reading from time to time. I don't do an awful lot of it. I I always have the fear of spending more time in books than I would in the book. But I do like to read. And I was reading a book the other day. Uh, with some articles written in it by the great C.H. Spurgeon. Now, I never came across anything that Spurgeon wrote as yet that didn't believe, that didn't absolutely thrill me and delight my soul. He was a remarkable man. I've read so much about him that uh, I think nearly that I know him. <laughs> so many of his sermons and what have you, uh, they are worth reading. But he has written in this particular item Some verses of the Bible which he had taken and given to us the opposite of them. And I came across one in relation to this, the Lord is, that I found very striking. Now, here is the verse. If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, that's a remarkable verse. If God be for us, then who, who, Who can be against us? Neither devil, demon, or man can defeat us while God is for us. The Lord is. But Spurgeon had written it or rewritten it a different way. And here's what he said. Now take it home and think about it. He said this, If God be against us, who can be for us? It doesn't matter who's for you. If God's against you, that's a completely different issue. My friends, as believers on the Lord Jesus today, we need to be very, very careful with our, of our walk with him. Very, very careful of our walk with the Savior. Very, very careful about that one indeed. The Lord is. Let me read that again. You take it home and think about it. It's wonderful to... Uh, Notice how that was written. If God be against you, then who can be for you? Whoever likes can pat you on the back and tell you you're a great guy or a great lady or this, that, or the other. But if God is against you, then whoever's for you is totally irrelevant. But God is not against us. While we keep his word, while we obey his will, while we do what he wants, everything is fair and everything is fine. 
The Lord is. Now, just to help you with that, in Jeremiah 32 and 27, you read these remarkable words. I'd love to take time to elaborate on this this morning. I'm not going to do it. I want to quote it to you. And again, I want you to think about it as a believer in the Lord Jesus, because this again is your Lord. This is the God of Genesis 1 and 1. This is the shepherd of this great psalm talking. And he saith this, Behold, I am the Lord. Now here's a remarkable thing. The God of all flesh. You see, some men may think that they are going to beat God. They are going to miss him. I remember talking to a man all many years ago now, during the course of a visitation for a mission, I think he was about the biggest man I've ever seen in my life. He was a very big man every way. And uh, he told me this. Ah, he said, I don't pay much attention to this religious business. I said, why? Well, he said, if I meet God, as you say, someday... I'll tell him I fought in two world wars and done my bit and done my best. And so he did. He had fought in those two world wars. There's no question about that. But I said, tell me, Sam. His name was Sam. He's gone to eternity long ago. And I wondered many a time what his condition was when he left this world behind. I said, Sam, tell me, tell me. What about the greatest victory that was ever achieved and accomplished. What about the greatest battle that was ever fought and won? What about it? He said, what are you talking about? I said, I'm talking about the cross where Jesus was manifested to take away our sin. Thank God it is mission complete. Where he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Thank God It is mission complete. What a victory. What a triumph. Hallelujah. What a savior we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can take that positiveness on board today. The Lord is, is, is. There's no telling how we may need that in the week to come. My friend, grasp it today. Put your arms tight round it. Hug it to your breast. Learn it. Let it grip you and you grip it. The fact that the Lord is, is, is. Well, we move from powerfulness and positiveness to possessiveness because David said, he's my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Isn't that amazing? That great God who created the heavens and the earth is my shepherd. Well, it's true. It's either false or fact. And I want to tell you, it is fact today beyond a doubt. You know, I have a habit very often in Bible study, when I come across a word, I like to take down the ordinary English dictionary. And I like to take a look to see what the English dictionary has to say. Now, at times I've been shocked and amazed at some of the revelations that are there. They are so remarkably true, very much so. But concerning the word shepherd, I looked that up in the dictionary yesterday, 
And they give a very simple yet profoundly simple answer. Here's what the English dictionary says about the word shepherd. It's simply a man who takes care of his sheep. Are you listening to that? A man who takes care of his sheep. Apply that to the man Christ Jesus. The one who died for us and rose again. The one who lives at the Father's right hand in glory. Interceding for us just now. The one who is coming again. Very, very, very soon. The Lord is my shepherd. He's a man who takes care of his sheep. He walks with me. And he talks with me along life's not away. Isn't that so true? We are conscious of his presence day in and day out, constantly and continually. He's always there, leading, guiding, controlling, and meeting our every need. You know, I was thinking just recently, that whenever... We get home to heaven as believers of the Lord Jesus. There will be a lot of things that we will want to see. I think often about heaven. Very often. And I must admit that there are times when the thoughts that come into my mind seem to be so vast and so big that I nearly have to get up and walk away. I have a little dog at home. I call him my mate, my wee mate. And uh, he is always glad when I tumble across something that blows my mind for I take him a walk. (laughs) He knows what's going on. And sometimes I think he knows quicker than I do, but that's another issue. But I was thinking about some of the things that we will see in heaven. Now, when you get there, the first person you'll want to see is the Lord. Ah, yes. I don't know what you think he looks like. Not speaking disrespectfully today, but we would all have separate ideas, I'm perfectly sure. And the scriptures, well, they don't give us a great indication as to what the Savior really looks like as a person. Someday we'll see him. We shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. When we get home to heaven, we're going to see the Lord. There are relatives up there. My wife went to be there just almost six years ago coming. Many a time I'd be sitting at home alone and I'm wondering what she's doing. Um, I suppose that's natural. I don't really have a great deal of idea as to what she would be doing, apart from praising the Lord and singing unto him. And mind you, uh, if she's singing unto him, if she were here today, she would laugh at me. She would need a voice change. She's a terrible singer. You know, she used to say to me, I have no tune one way or another. I used to say, amen, you're perfectly right, you know. But she'd be singing unto him and looking into his face. Then my father and mother are there. And uh, it'd be lovely to see them again. It's a long time now since we laid the two of them in Mother Earth. I often think about this multitude that no man can number. 
What on earth sort of a crowd is that going to be? A multitude that no man can number. Then there are these angels. I did my best to do a count of the angels some time back for a Bible study I was doing. And I discovered this, that there's 100,000 million of them, plus thousands of thousands. I don't know on earth how you figure that one out either, what that would look like. And then, of course, you have this golden street. I don't often criticize hymns. I don't do that sort of thing. don't criticize anything if I can avoid it. I don't think it's a great idea. But the hymn writer wrote, On the golden streets of heaven, all men hope to walk someday. My Bible doesn't talk about golden streets. It talks about a street. One golden street. I was brought up in a fellowship where we had a little man in, in, in leadership, and he never liked to hear you criticizing a hymn. And he always used to say this, that if you don't like a hymn, then you go and write a better one. <laughs> I don't know that anybody ever took him on, but that got into me, and these things stick with you along the pathway of life. But my friends, the Lord is my shepherd, and this is where he's leading you. He's leading you home, right home. I will remember standing in Israel one day at a particular spot and I saw a shepherd coming down to a clearing about, well, roughly the size of this. It's the only time during the time I was in Israel when I actually saw sackcloth. He was dressed in it and he had a sackcloth hat. And over in the corner of this clearing, there was... A kind of a corral made. I think it was one of the roughest I've ever seen in my life. Made out of broken down branches and stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, where on earth or what on earth is that? And didn't this man come? And he wasn't driving the sheep. He was leading them. And he was leading them right in there. And then I saw something that thrilled me. Because whenever he had done that, he brought the sheep in, right into that little spot that he had for them. He then took his bag of his back, where he had probably food and water or whatever, I don't know. And he laid it down in the ground, and he lay down himself across the gate. And then I realized more or less what the Lord meant when he said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. Because there was no door on that clearing at all, but the door became the shepherd when he lay down there and fell asleep. And anybody going in or coming out would have to do it over the top of him. And mind you, he wasn't a wee guy. I wouldn't like to have been trying it. But there it is. But you know, friends, he's leading us home. What a remarkable statement that is. He's my shepherd. Are you getting that this morning? The Lord is my shepherd. Brother, the Lord is your shepherd. Sister, the Lord is your shepherd. He's taking care of you. And what I was intending to, to end on concerning heaven there was this, that when I do get there, well, one of the things I do want to see that I believe does exist is the things or are the things, if you like, that God delivered me from that I didn't even know existed. And I think there's a lot of that. 
Very much so. A lot of that. I remember talking to a very dear brother from England one time who had been an evangelist for years in a very dangerous and difficult part of the world. Dear Fred told me some things that he found out about afterwards that he never knew about and would have terrified him had he known about them at the time because we're all human, very much so. But you know, friends, there's probably a lot of them in your life and in mine that God has delivered us from. I look back to my early days when I was saved as a teenager. Prior to that, there were certain things that happened that could have taken me into eternity. I remember having a fallout with a bus one day. I was sitting on the edge of a small wall and uh, my foot was, two feet were on the ground. And that bus came so close to me that he ran over the toe of my shoe and broke the toe cap off. And he never touched me. That was pretty close, I can tell you. That's something to smile about today. But I wasn't smiling when it happened, I can tell you. It was a pretty nerve-wracking thing to happen. But things like that along the pathway of life could have gone so terribly wrong. But the Lord preserved you and kept you. And he's still doing it. Why? Because he's your shepherd. You take that on board as a believer today. And if you're not a Christian, I emphasize that again. You take the Lord on board. He'll become your savior and he'll become your shepherd. Now, oh dear, I must finish. The time's gone. This is one of the dangers of having no clock around the place. I know a pastor very well. He and I are great friends and I was doing some meetings for him in his church some time back and I went in one night and uh, I'm looking around to see where the clock was and I says brother what have you done with the clock he says I put it in the bin he says they would rather have the clock than me (laughs) they were sitting looking at the clock instead of looking at him so he put the clock in the bin during the time I was in Killicomain some years ago now in our Bibles class on a Wednesday night I used to go maybe a little bit over the time. Uh, You wouldn't think I'd do a thing like that. Well, I would. And uh, I had an elder there who was very, very humorous. But when I came in one night, he had taken down the clock and put up a calendar. So I kind of got the message. You see, (laughs) some of the lessons you need to learn. However, that's how it is. Just let me bring a little message to you, a little thought to you on the progressiveness that's here. Are you making progress? Listen, I shall not want. Isn't that lovely? The Lord will give you what's good for you. He certainly will. And he'll keep away from you what's not good for you. I was going to talk about both this morning. Time doesn't allow me to do that. Maybe some other time if the occasion arises. But my friend, just take this lovely, lovely verse home with you. Somebody asked me one time, uh, some young fella said to me, Harvard, do you wear a necklace? I said, no, sir, I don't. But he said, if you did wear a necklace, what would you like on it? I said, I haven't a clue. I hadn't thought about it. And then afterwards I thought about this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Wouldn't it be a bad thing to have hanging around your neck? Sure it wouldn't. It would remind you of things. However, I haven't gone that length yet, and I don't think I'm liable to start now. 
So let me just repeat what I said. The Lord, there's the powerfulness of this. The Lord is, there's the positiveness of this. The Lord is my shepherd, the possessiveness of it. And the progressiveness is there. I shall not want. Lean on the Lord, my friend. Lean hard. Lean today, lean tonight, lean tomorrow. And you'll discover that he's the great burden bearer who very capably looks after his own. Now a little prayer together. Lord, we do thank thee for thy goodness to us today. We do thank thee, Lord, for the grand assurance that this verse gives to us. It's one of the many that are to be found in our Bible that give to the believer in the Lord Jesus today great assurance and great help. Lord, we thank thee for them. We pray that everyone here this morning will take this to heart, all who know thee, that the Lord really is my shepherd, and he is looking after us, guiding us. And someday he will bring us safely to glory. For those who may not know thee, O oh Lord, we pray that this will be the time when they will come and will really say, Christ for me. Those leaving us now, we ask, thy blessing on difficult and dangerous roads. We pray that thou will keep them safe, bring them there in safety. And Lord, if there's an event for tonight, may they be brought safely to it and back again. And Lord, for those of us remaining, just to remember the Savior today, we pray that the shades and shadows of Calvary will fall across us. Do all for the glory of thy great and holy name.